This is the Employee to Entrepreneur podcast, the show for the family man who's looking to escape the rat race. So if you're a young husband or a father who's looking to build a micro business, a side hustle to replace your income so that you can spend more time with your family, you're in the right place. I made this show for you because I am you. I'm your host, Brendan Ryan, and today I'm joined by my good friend, John Cardis, Young Gun, got started in sales. Next thing you know, owns multiple companies, including an AI software program that I'm going to have him talk to us about. So lots to learn from this guy. He is one of the best people I know in terms of living a life of just completely adding value and being selfless. And I think it's one of the most important things about being an entrepreneur. So John, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome, brother. Absolutely. Stoked to have you here, man. So, John, for the sake of the audience, can you give us a brief rundown of who you are, your journey from, you know, where you came from up until now? Well, Snap Rockets. Yeah. Well, my name is John Cardis. I'm originally from New York. Uh, grew up absolutely broke. <laughs> um, Basically, went to college, started in the internet marketing space by working for free uh, for a guru, an e-commerce guru, and then started closing for a real estate company, and then managed a real estate company and built that company from zero to twenty million. And then, uh, yeah, and then I started my company Revenue Launch, and now I just launched Call Rev, essentially. Um, so I have two businesses at this point, and I'm based in Austin, Texas, and I'm 25 years old. Man, killing it for 25, man. And so for context, for those listening, Call Rev is an AI program, which is pretty sweet. Reviews your uh, your sales calls. So, um, John, I know from reading your book, actually, that you started working basically in the internet money space, like while you're still in, in college, right? Yep. Okay. So did that happen by accident or did you do that on purpose? So... Okay. So like right before I was in college, I was like, I saw all these internet money gurus as we all do. And like my thing at the time was like Amazon and drop shipping. And I was like, oh wow, I can probably do like Shopify or something like that. And so, um, when I went down to South Florida from New York originally, um, I basically was like, all right, well, how do I get into this space? Like, I really don't have any funds to do it. Like I'm investing all of the money that I personally saved up from like insurance sales and door to door, like all the money that I saved up on a semester of out of state tuition. It was like 20 grand. <laughs> it was like stupid, wow. but I, I couldn't get a loan and my parents wouldn't co-sign it. So like, I was like, okay, like if this is what I want to do, this is the thing I'm going to do. And then I basically said to myself, okay, in Florida, like, what can I do to set myself up for success? not only while I'm in college, but like, so right when I leave, like I can pay off these loans that are like 13.5%. Like it was just stupid. Um, so then I basically yeah. was like, cool. Like I'm going to find some gurus. And there was one guru that I was following for a while that I related with a lot who was also from New York. Um, and just so happened to be in South Florida and just so happened to be in the same town as me is where his office was. And so I reached out to him and after doing a lot of study and research on like who he was, what he did, what his background was, I watched his podcast, I went through everything. And then I was like, hey, bro, like, 
I'm from Long Island too, Long Island, New York too. Like I know you grew up with a single mother. I did too. I know you came from humble beginnings. I did too. I would love to come work for you for free essentially. Like I'll sweep the floors, like whatever you want to do. And I was already like kind of used to making money at that point, like insurance sales and like door to door and all sorts of stuff, like to some degree. Um, nothing like what high ticket has done in my life. But uh, I basically created the opportunity and a mentor of mine said like, you should go work for free if you want to go learn the things like value the knowledge over valuing the money. Like short term money, like or money could just be short term. Like, how can you set your life up for success of the things that you want? And my thing was always, I want to go work virtually anywhere in the world. And so I just started to put that that vision in motion, more or less. Okay, gotcha. So it was so that you could pay off that out of state tuition is kind of what motivated you then. So it wasn't like necessarily deliberate. It was just kind of you fell into that because you know, it, it made sense. It was like kind of right there in front of you. So what made you go out of state? Like what, why did you do that by the way? Well, I think, so I was, I was doing insurance sales for Aflac <laughs> and, uh, like I was commuting to the city, like at certain points and like, you know, I would get on the train like an hour one way and then like work a whole day in the city and then like an hour another way. And this was like New York city. And so I basically like, I envisioned my life as if it never stopped. Like if I were to continue going down that path, like what would happen? Right. And I, and I looked at my dad who was in insurance and all commission sales and he worked for all estate and he did similar things, right? He would take the train in work all day and then take the train out. And I remember him leaving super early in the morning and then like not coming back until like seven, eight o'clock until like dinner time. Right. And it, like he was working like, but it was just like a far commute. And I just said like, yeah. wow, I'm going down the same path that he did. Like, honestly, like how did his life turn out? And then like, I evaluated that at that point. And then I said, well, if I can, if I do this, if I continue going in this direction, I'm going to do the same exact thing. And so even though I was making good money in insurance at the time, like door to door businesses, like door knocking businesses and like cold calling and building relationships and all that sort of stuff. I was like, there's got to be more to life. And then I went down to Florida um, for Thanksgiving where my girlfriend at the time, her family was was based in just north of West Palm Beach. And I went down there and I'd never been to Florida. I'd never really been outside of like New York. Like it was like New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, like Massachusetts. Like that was like my sphere of life and what my environment was. And so when I went to Florida, I was like, whoa, like – this place is awesome. Like really cool beaches, like palm trees, sand, like great greenery, like cool flowers, all sorts of stuff. And so I just fell in love with the environment and the weather. And so um, when I was going through the whole thing, like with the insurance and traveling back and forth, like I just imagined like this, like this life where it's raining outside and I jump on the train early in the morning and I have to go back and like I miss most of my life. And I, I was like, I'm not even like passionate about exactly what I'm doing, right? I might as well go embrace the college experience a little bit and like not party my tail off, but go network and meet people. And I saved up money from the opportunity that I had in sales, you know, why not take a shot? And so I kind of just threw myself into it and threw myself into a semester and said, Hey, if I hate it for whatever reason, like, I just don't like it. Like I can always come back. Like I don't need to pay for another semester. Um, yeah. and so that kind of made me jump off the cliff, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, man. So right from the get go, like 18 or whatever it was when you did this, you, you definitely had like a risk tolerance that entrepreneurs need to have. Like you need to be able to 
tolerate that kind of risk and bet on yourself in that way, which I'm sure at the time was probably not like emotionally easy. It might've been kind of stressful or scary or whatever. Right. Um, but you know, you, you, you ended up doing it. And I think something you mentioned that was really key is the idea of thinking about like, okay, what's the worst case scenario? Like if I don't like it, it doesn't work, whatever, I can always go back, you know? And that's why I think for, you know, people that aspire to be entrepreneurs, if you're going to do it, the perfect time to do it is when you're, when you're young, when you're 18, you have no family, no kids, no responsibilities. What's the worst that's going to happen? You, you know, you, so what you've, you, uh, file for bankruptcy, you have nothing at that point. Right. So who cares? Like there, it's almost like infinite upside, super limited downside, you know? So it's, it's amazing that, you know, you were one of the few that was smart enough to know that, or kind of had a intuition at the time about that. But, um, okay. So you mentioned that you started working for an e-commerce guru for free, right? Right yep. in the, right out, right out of the get go. I think that's a good segue into your book. Um, cause that's, that's the topic of your book, right? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So like, so leveraging the power free, obviously by me <laughs> is, is essentially a book on how to add value and adding value comes in the form of two ways, right? Either knowledge or, or, or time or, or I guess, or money. So I guess three ways, right? And so I knew I didn't have the knowledge and I knew I didn't have the money. Right. And so what I did have that can add value to people was human capital, which is time. Right. And so if, even if we look at like, I know you love Hermosi, right? Hermosi is like pyramid of leverage, right? Starts off with, with human capital, then it goes to capital, then it's like code and media, right? So courses or software, right? And so like I knew human capital at some capacity and I didn't know at this, at that, at that time, right? This concept, but looking back at it now, I knew that I can leverage my time to give people value at some capacity, right? Figure out certain problems, like, again, like sweep the floors, whatever it might be. Um, and so the essentially leveraging the power of free is my journey from working for free to building a, um, managing a company to build it to $20 million in annual revenue. Um, and just that process, right? How giving is actually way better than receiving and providing value is the number one thing that you can do in the marketplace. And how do you create value and how do you network and how do you give yourself the opportunity if you're going to take the position of I'm going to use my knowledge and or my time, not my money to get connections and knowledge. Um, and so basically it's a book on resourcefulness, right? And how and executing the game plan to get to the next step and goal in which you want to achieve. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. You brought up Hormozy. Um, and I think that, you know, that's kind of one of the things that he does, right? Like he has, the, I think he even calls it like his Hormozy law or whatever, where you keep giving and giving and giving. And the longer you can delay the ask, the bigger ask you can make is what he says anyway. Yeah. But um, I think that that's yet another um, really core value or important point about being an entrepreneur is the whole point is you're supposed to bring value to the marketplace. You're supposed to solve problems. Right. And it was cool to see you in action, you know, last weekend, because you, you really walked that walk. You talked that talk, like, um, because I saw you witnessed you like go up to all these sales reps or aspiring sales reps, sales managers, et cetera. And you're always like, how can I help? Like, how can I add value? You know, which was really cool to see. I got, I got to say, man, that was really inspiring and to watch you in action because, um, like I said, you're, you're actually, you know, living it out. And I think I have to believe, you know, the, the longer that I've studied entrepreneurship and seen people like you in action, that that's, 
that's key to success. You know, I think that you have to have that mindset to really get to places when you have this like selfish mindset where you're always trying to like take essentially. Um, it, it seems like it, it's this uh, paradox, but it, it like hinders us. Would you agree? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, like, to me, it's always like, how can I find the win, the win, 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 right? Like, how can everybody win together? Like, and what does that situation look like? Right? So even when I look at, you know, you and I, <laughs> right, like just the way we connected, right? Initially, you were looking for a sales role. And I was like, yeah, I have sales roles. And like, you're the right type of person. And then, you know, got you on uh, got you an interview and that really didn't work out right away, but we stayed in touch, right? I noticed you kept liking my stuff and retweeting my stuff. And then I asked you to become like a call rev beta user essentially, right? And you helped in the development and testing of the initial product and as it evolved, which was really cool. And then because of that, we stayed in touch, right? And then now you're on a really great offer because the right offer kind of appeared that was a great fit for you, right? And so in a way, like that was a win, 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 win. Like ultimately, like you got an awesome job, the company got an awesome person, right? And sales rep, right? Call rev was tested and was iterated and now is what it is, right? And we've done a lot of stuff together and obviously we met in person, right? So like that's the win, 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 win in the relationship. And I think for me, it's like, what does someone want, right? Like when we meet people, it's like, what is the thing that they're trying to achieve, right? And mm -hmm. for me, even for me personally, I'm always like, sometimes- I'm like scanning the environment. I'm like, I see every, what everybody wants, right? And I'm like, I'm going to help them get it, right? I'm going to help them win in some capacity. And sometimes at, at times in my life, I've forgotten what I actually want. And so I keep a running list of the things that I'm working on and what I am trying to achieve. Like for right now, it's like, I need marketing. <laughs> like, like I need marketing in some capacity. And so like for that reason, like I know if I run into somebody like that or somebody can connect me to a marketer that they know, like that's a really bomb thing. Right. And so I think the law of the law of value, right, is being able to give, give, give. Yes. Right. But then also being able to receive when that value then comes back. Right. And it's a book called The Go-Giver that kind of changed my perspective on all of this. And the last law of the go-giver, right, you selfishly right, give. And the last law is like be open to the idea of receiving. Right. Have like palms open mentality. Right. In which mm -hmm. like you can not take, but receive, you know, what other people are wanting to give you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just cool to see it in action. And like I said, the more I've reflected on it, I, um, the more I think that it's key to entrepreneurial success. So, and I, I completely stole one of the things that I say on this podcast all the time, because I, I push sales as like the place to, to start in entrepreneurship. And I'm not going to get into all the reasons why right now, because I've said it before on the podcast, because um, there's multiple reasons, right? I'm sure you could probably name ones that I, I'm not even familiar with, but I stole it from you. Um, I saw one of your, your tweets once and you said that uh, sales is the gateway drug to entrepreneurship. Mm hmm. So, and that was something that I always thought was very true. Like I always noticed that and um, yeah, it's, I've seen it launch multiple people's entrepreneurial careers, including yourself. Yeah. And so, but I've been reflecting on um, lately, you know, the idea of skill stacking. And I've, in fact, I even made a, a short form reel about this that I haven't re released yet, but the idea of skill stacking, um, you know, has been made popular by Hermosi and others. And that's 100% true, right? Like you definitely want to 
to develop high income skills, stack them up, et cetera. But isn't there something to be said for doing in, in an intelligent manner, like deliberately stacking a certain skill on top of a certain skill? So to give you an example, like say you were going to be, say you became a real estate agent, right? Okay, skill, whatever. But then like, wouldn't it make sense like to, for your next skill to be something that complements that skill? So maybe you want to get into like property management so that when you're selling properties to real estate investors, you're like, Hey, I'm also a property manager. I can help you with that, you know, stacking skills deliberately. So to that point, if sales is the gateway drug to entrepreneurship, what do you think is the next most important skill? Okay. So yeah, so super, okay. So super interesting, right? And I'll, I'll quickly reflect on back on like my story a little bit, right? My process or my skill stacking, right? And so I was sales, right? I was sales for years, like door to door, cold calling, and then high ticket sales, right? And I'm by no means a master in high ticket sales, but I can sell people. And I was a top closer when I was, right? Then the next skill that I was uh, grateful to be given the opportunity to acquire was management, right? And management is leadership, right? And so like to me, leadership is the next thing, right? And so like leadership, manage, people management, like the art of people, right? And typically what I see is if you can sell well, you have enough empathy to understand people to be able to transform their lives and give them confidence and give them motivation and all that sort of stuff, right? And like build it internally within them. Like, and so like, even even the skills that I use now, right, or the things that I do now within my companies, like I was based off of what I learned in leadership, like reading leadership books and like getting to manage people and working on that skill set and process every single day, right? Like that to me is the next gradual progression because, okay, what we see on like a lot of these like newer companies, right? Like these newer offers that are out there, these newer high ticket sales offers that are out there, right? Is companies that are either just starting or they're stuck, right? And they want a salesperson right away. And we like some companies want sale, like they just want to be like hands-off. Like some CEOs want to be hands-off, right? And to me, that is just poor leadership, right? Like leadership is an essential thing to building any sort of company or any sort of brand or managing people, right? To be any C-level suite, right? COO, CEO, right? CFO, any of that, right? It takes leadership at some capacity. And so that I would say is the next progression from sales, is to understand and get really clear on leadership. But I also think is that if you can stack leadership because that's having a company at some point. So if the goal is to have any sort of company, right? Leadership makes total sense from a sales progression to the next progression. Now, what it gets interesting is, is like when I was looking at this process of skill stacking, I was like, whose journey can I model? Right. And I think that's, I think that's a good way of looking at it, but I also think it's a bad way of looking at it because like the economy and the way the marketplace works is it's based off of innovation, right? And so if there is a problem, right? Let's just use call rev for an example, right? If there, there's a problem, right? Sales reps need more knowledge, right? Need more knowledge on what they're doing, right? The way it's been solved for decades over and over again is sales coaching, right? Charging five, ten thousand dollars, ten five, you know, three thousand dollars, whatever it is, one on one sales coaching, right? Mm -hmm. And because I took eight months to learn the skill of software, and I'm by no means a developer, I'm actually an idiot when it comes to software. Like, but I, I understand it enough to coordinate it, right? 
I was able to create innovation in a marketplace and a problem that wasn't solved any other way besides the way everybody else was modeling to do it. Right. So to me, like, even if you have a background in something that doesn't make sense, right? Like doesn't make sense for your natural progression. At some point that skill will actually come back into the fold when you're ready to launch your own company. Hmm. Man, I think that's such a good answer. Um, Because I I wasn't definitely, that didn't come to mind when I was trying to answer that question myself, but it makes a a ton of sense because at its core, sales is influence, right? Yep. And so you're influencing somebody else, in other words. Um, In order to do that effectively, I think you have to start by being able to influence yourself first, right? But so there's levels to it, right? So you have to be able to influence yourself first. Once you master that, you can influence another person. Once you master that, then you can influence multiple other people. And so that's where kind of like that, that made me think, okay, that makes sense because, you know, leadership, you're, you're managing a team. So if it happens like super organically in a sales environment, you might be promoted to sales manager. Now you're, you're managing, I don't know, three or five reps or whatever. Or, you know, like you mentioned, so many will go the um, coaching route, you know, and start like mentoring or coaching somebody. And that might be in a small group setting. But um, it also made me think of, have you ever read the book, um, The E-Myth Revisited? No. Okay. So it's a a great book, great entrepreneurial book, highly recommend it. But um, in it, he talks about three people, basically the technician, which is somebody that like actually does the thing. So take, for instance, like you were... um, in your in your company, so you have call rev AI program that does reviews or whatever. The technician is a coder, mm. so that's just the person that's actually creating it. Or you know, in your case, you do no code, but point is, yep. they're the person that executes that, right? Yep. Um, so you have the the technician, then you have the manager, which is the person above them, you know, that kind of coordinates all the technicians, if you will. Yep. But then one step above them is when you actually have the entrepreneur. And that's where, you know, you're at right now, where you're essentially, you're kind of like an orchestrator of everything, right? You hire people that are better than you to come in and code and make, bring your idea to life, right? And in order to do that, you need to be a master of influence. You need to be a master of sales. So you have to be able to sell them on the vision, sell your customers on the vision, sell investors on the vision and all that kind of good stuff. So that makes a ton of sense, man. I think that's such a good answer. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think that ultimately like sales will help you in leadership, right? But they are different skills. Would you agree? Yeah. So like, so like when I was in sales, I was, I was a lone wolf, so to speak. Like, you know, I encourage like being a team player now big time, but I was a lone wolf. Right. And so I would just attack each and every call and like I wouldn't be active in Slack or anything like that. And so I know the lone wolf really well. Right. And then when I became a manager, like it went from me and like my skills and my paycheck to like we. Right. And to build anything great, you don't need me. You need we. Right. And so what are the people that are required? Who, not how. Right. In order to get to the next level. Right. And so like, yeah, I would say like management, management was like a big thing for me. And like, also just like observing, like working for some really great leaders. Like when I was like a contractor and like when I was a manager and a sales rep, like if like the leaders that I worked for were like phenomenal leaders, they were just great people, great humans, big mission, big vision. I just watched what they did. Right. And then like I observed and 
I did everything possible to prove to them that like I can handle whatever it was that they wanted to give me. Plus, because I felt like I worked so hard, like they were open to giving like one-on-one time with me. Like anytime I asked for a meeting, like they would be there, you know? And so I just watched the way they led and it was through servant leadership and they built massive companies. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think you hit on something interesting there too when you were talking about the lone wolf. That's such a common like sales archetype because I think it's so like like tempting when you come in as a sales rep. I think it attracts a lot of Sigma males um, in a way because now you're the 1099, you're independent contractor. And it's so tempting to just come in and be like, all right, sweet. I, all I have to do, execute this, kill it or whatever. And as long as like I perform... They're obviously going to want to keep me around. But then when you go from that to manager, you're like, gosh, I can't stand the lone wolf. Because you you would need it to be like this cohesive team, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, yeah, it's funny. Like you, you, you were the lone wolf and then you go to manager and you're like, oh man, these lone wolves. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the truth is, is like we are built for community, right? And we spend so much of our life working, right? And like just working on whatever we're doing, whether it's a job, whether it's a business, whatever, like whatever. We spend most of our life working. And so if we're, even if it's virtual, which again, large majority of the high ticket space is, (laughs) you know, like how can we build community together, right? On sales meetings, like how can we have some level of connection, Right. Cause I can tell you, it is really cool to be like anywhere in the world and sit behind a desk at like, and just like pop the laptop open and work or like be anywhere and work. But like, if you don't have a sense of like camaraderie amongst your team, like you're missing out on a whole nother level. Like, and this is what I encourage in sales teams now, like clients that I work with in the revenue launch, like you want to be able to, um, be a sponge and be open, right? So like example, a salesperson is really good at, let's say like one call closes, but they're not so good at follow-up and long-term conversion, like converting leads from nine months, you know, nine months down the pipe, whatever it is. Now there is someone on that team that is really great at follow-up, but is weak in one call closes. How can you guys work together to share synergies and build a mega human, right? Build like the next skill set of a sales rep. And so believe it or not, the people that are on your team actually have the strengths that you need that are your weaknesses. And if you guys can work together in camaraderie and actually give, like, again, give value to each other, right? You're only going to improve every single, like every single day based off of that. As long as you take the time to build a relationship, right? Like everything you need is on your team. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think a lot of sales reps don't think that way. And I encourage that big time. And the best companies, the biggest companies that I see, they embrace that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a it's a bad mistake really to to do the lone wolf thing because ultimately, especially if your goal is something bigger and better than than remote sales or whatever it is, um, it's like business is about relationships. Life is about relationships, you know? Yeah. And so while I, I get it, like it is tempting, um, ultimately, yeah, you're shooting yourself in the foot, like long-term, not only because like you, like that example you gave, you could be just getting better by learning from other people on your team, but also because you, you need to not be that in order to keep progressing, you know, right. in, in business and in life. So, um, so I think it's so cool, man, that you built an AI program 
call rev. Can we talk about that a little bit? Like what, what made you want to do it? Cause it seems like, like if I were to think about building a, a freaking AI program right now, it seems like a pretty monumental task. Um, so what, what drove you to do it? And was it harder or easier than you imagined? Yep. So I'm going to give a shout out to Alex Hayden um, because Alex Hayden, Mr. Closeify, or yeah, he's still Closeify, um, like absolute stud. Okay. And I like, he was a high speed closer and then he did recruitment, right? For a little while. And then he built Closeify and him and I connected probably two years ago over a quick one-on-one at that time. And he was doing, he was doing Closeify at the time. And I was just starting in like recruitment and consulting and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I've watched his progression and watched his journey and then watched all of his content as he continued to build, because essentially he was in the same spot as me. And I looked at him and I'm like, he's younger than me. Like how impressive is this dude? Um, and so like huge shout out to him. And honestly, I couldn't have built anything like that. I built, I couldn't have built call rev without him and his team. Like they coached me, they mentored me, like they helped me understand software at a bigger capacity. So I think that's number one. I think Number two is like, you know, technology is always changing and adjusting. And I think, you know, ChatGPT went on a huge run. You know what I mean? Like it just popped up out of nowhere and got tons and tons of users that they used. They used user generated content. They paid some some influencers basically to create the content and then post. And then they got tons of users on the platform. It was very intelligent in terms of a marketing strategy. Um, but like that new technology came out. And then so instead of thinking like, how is AI going to replace you know, my job, you know, I think a lot of people felt that way, not, not, not necessarily high ticket sales, but like, I think a lot of people felt that way. It's like, AI is going to replace my job. Instead of thinking like that, it's like, how can I use AI to like build a better economy, right? Build a better efficiency, right? Leverage it in a way that nobody's using it. And so basically like one big thing for me when I was a manager at sub two was like call reviews, you know, I would sit there and like, you know, spend an hour like listening to a sales call or I listen to part of, part of a sales call and then miss the context of like the discovery. And I just skip to the end, right. To get to the objection, to know what I would train on for the next day on, on the sales meetings or where can I help my reps more, right? Where can I help them win more? And so I would do all these call reviews and it just took a ton of time. And so when AI kind of went on a run, I was like, huh, like, I wonder if, and I was watching Alex's content and I was like, I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if I can like, build an AI that is like really smart at high ticket sales. Like what would that even look like? And then I mapped it out. And then so I mapped it out on a whiteboard and was like, wow, okay. Like I have one of two options, either spend a lot of money to build this thing and not know if it's going to work, take the chance. Or like, uh, I always think like when I'm 65 and I'm on my, not 65, that's bad. When I'm a hundred and I'm on my deathbed, right? Like what would I think of the things that I wanted to do? and try. And what if I was too scared to do them at the time? And, you know, I had deep money beliefs, you know, like spent of spending a lot of money. So I was like, I don't want to spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars building a software application. Like I really don't want to do that. But then I kept coming back to it as an idea, as I was consulting companies and doing recruiting and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, it is like a decent idea. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to start like, and so I started the process of finding developers. I found one that I really liked that was based here in Austin, Texas. And I knew I was moving here. Um, and I was like, this could be perfect. Like, again, I don't know how much this is going to cost. I don't know if this is going to work or not. The, the thing that I kept telling myself over and over again 
is that yes, it might cost money to build this idea and it might completely fall flat. But the money that I spend is going to be the education that gives me the knowledge to then go build the next thing. Right. So I actually for a while I didn't think call rev was even going to work. Like I thought call rev was just like the the test, right, to get into the industry and then take that knowledge and go build a better idea based off the knowledge that I learned. So I was looking at the money as like, hey, I'm just like I'm throwing this into my mind right now, into my brain, more or less. <laughs> yeah. The, the money is the tuition, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I would so, say that's, that's how they, I kind of thought about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You hit on something that I, that I think is important. The idea of like, you kind of, you mapped it out on a whiteboard, which is super smart, but you also still like, weren't really sure where to start. So you just kind of started taking a baby step, like the first logical, easiest thing that you could do, like go talk to a developer, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And then, it, you know, next thing you know, like you have call rev, you know, because it, the, that's, that's something that I think um, sometimes, like I said, if it was me and I'm thinking about building an AI program, like I don't know anything. I don't know anything about coding. Don't know anything about AI. Um, I imagine, did you know anything? No, neither did yeah. I. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so just taking that next logical step and next thing you know, like you have an AI program, which is pretty amazing. Like, um, did you, did it end up like, was it, you know, don't give me the specific numbers obviously, but was it a ton of money to do this or not like, so much? In my world, it was a ton of money. It was tens of thousands of dollars. Um, and okay. I, I think the thing that like, I would have guessed more actually. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that like really helped me most, right, was like when I was a sales guy and when I was a manager, like I lived way below my means. Like I didn't go buy like a fancy car or like even have my own like apartment yet. Like I had roommates, you know, and I'm still in college, don't get me wrong, but like I just decided I'm not going to do them and delay gratification. And so I was able to save like 80% of my income every single month and stack it away. And then figure out how to pay taxes and that's a skill and learning all that things and how to do write-offs and deductions, all that fun stuff. But I stacked up a bunch of money. And so then I was like, I, I had the idea that I was like, I'm gonna go buy, I'm gonna go buy real estate with this money. And then basically like my plan changed. I was like, I don't want to be a sales manager anymore. Like I don't want to be a sales rep anymore. Like I want to build my own thing. And so if I want to build my own thing, let me leverage the money that I built and that I have, right, to either deploy or get me through like the beginning months of making zero, right? And so I had this money stacked away, right? That was meant to be deployed for investments and investments, I what I thought was like stocks or like crypto or real estate or whatever it was, but really like it became like the idea was like, I'm gonna go like, I'm gonna invest in a business model, right? Something that can do way better. And again, like Alex blew me away, inspired me and put me on like to software. Um, and then working with him was like, oh yeah, like this makes, total sense. Yeah, we can just do this and do this and solve this problem. And then like, et cetera. And I, I look at software and I'm like, it's a whole bunch of puzzle pieces. Right. And it's like, how does this work with this? And like, how, you know, how do we, you know, do a cancellation capture and all this sort of stuff. And I just like watch YouTube videos. I listen to podcasts. I read books and, and obviously hired Alex as a mentor and like, it just worked, you know, like that combination of puzzle pieces right? Gave me the knowledge to know where to put the puzzle pieces and make it work basically. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned like that you stacked up a bunch of capital and you were going to put it in real estate and uh, like everybody wants to do real estate and understandably so, right? Like it's, it's phenomenal. It's 
the maybe the best way to preserve your wealth there is. It's been around since the beginning of freaking time, right? So totally understandable. However, that said, though, um, you know, it's great for wealth preservation, equity, taxes, that kind of thing. For cash flow, though, unless you're doing the Airbnb thing, which seems like everybody's doing, <laughs> um, you're doing the long-term rental thing, it's not like that amazing for cash flow, right? Whereas business, you know, building or buying a business, that's amazing for cash flow. Whereas, yes, you have equity in it too, uh, you know, especially if it's a big enough big business, been around for a while and all that kind of stuff, and you can potentially sell it. But um, yeah, I think in the beginning, like if you're trying to, they say, isn't there like a saying something about how like real estate is, is great for your first million, but like beyond that, like getting to 10 or hundred million, like it's not so great. Like yeah. it's hard to scale that in other words. Right. Whereas like business is harder than, than buying and holding real estate properties. Yeah. This is tough, man, but it's got so much more upside in terms of that cash flow and like getting you to 10 million, hundred million plus. Yeah, when I was when I was a contractor, and I think this is what people don't understand, honestly, and I didn't understand it at the time. So, like, this is some game. But like, when I was a contractor, either as a sales rep or manager, and I was making two fifty to two eighty or so a year, right? My goal was like, how do I not pay taxes, right? Like, how do I deduct as much as humanly possible, right? And that makes sense, right? Like in that specific moment, right? But as an entrepreneur, like, you have so many more write offs than you think. And you also distribute less cash to yourself than you think because you're constantly reinvesting into the business, right? Until you can get the nest egg or the, the egg to hatch more or less in a way that is very profitable, right? Then you can distribute all sorts of money to you. And at that point, that's when you buy real estate because now you have enough, you have way bigger cash flow. Like I'm talking $200,000 or so in profit that somebody's taking home on a monthly basis, right? Then go buy real estate, go buy bigger multifamily in the best areas, et cetera. Versus like my plan was like, oh, I'm going to go buy like $110,000 in like Ohio, <laughs> you know, and like yeah. Ohio's great. Don't get me wrong. But like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to buy a house that is like not like super nice and also not in a super nice neighborhood and all that sort of stuff and virtual, you know? So I think like those were the factors that kind of went into my decision as like, I don't have time freedom as a contractor and as, you know, a manager and or a sales rep. And if I want time freedom, the only way to do that is build a business, right? If I want it now, rather than like continue to be a contractor and then try to save as much money as possible, then to buy real estate, then to get the time freedom, that's a years long process. Like, I mean, like mm -hmm. 10 years long process versus like, how can I condense it into a one or two? You know, like that was my goal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think if the ultimate goal is 10 million, 100 million or whatever, it makes so much more sense to build a business first and then reinvest re with the profits into real estate for the wealth preservation and everything and tax benefits, of course. But um, yeah, it seems like, you know, so many people go straight to real estate. And again, that's not bad, <laughs> you yeah. know, but um, yeah, if especially if if your goal is, is bigger than that, um, you might want to you know, reverse that order a little bit. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. And like, I mean, honestly, my thing was like, too, like I want to learn. Right. So if, if I'm managing and I feel like I've kind of like gotten this skill, right. Or I'm in sales and I've kind of gotten this skill. Well then like, it's time to go learn something else. And how do you go learn something else? The best indicator of who you are, like the mirror is entrepreneurship, right. Is the biggest personal development, self-development thing. Like I can attribute to my life for sure. Like when the business isn't going well, 
or when it wasn't going well, like that was my fault. Like in some way, shape or capacity, maybe I didn't want to spend the money to obtain the knowledge. Maybe I didn't want to go to the networking event. Maybe I was scared. Maybe I was timid, right? Whatever, right? Like it's a, it's a constant reality check into who you are. And like, if you can become better in those areas where you're deficient, like then you build a business, you know? And I think, I think the, the people that are high as the business, they understand like, or, or succeed a lot in business. Like they, they get to a point where they just understand themselves really well and what triggers them and also like how they can make everybody around them better. Like, I think it's those, a combination of those factors. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, for me personally, it's been a, a journey of self improvement and also self discovery. Like, you know, coming from a pharmacy background, dude, if you asked me like three years ago, well, probably a little over three years ago, but three years ago, if I was, if I would ever be interested in sales, for instance, I would have said, hell no, <laughs> you know, but the, you just, you learn from taking action, getting feedback from the world. And the next thing you know, like, you know, you, you find out things about yourself that you never would have guessed before. So yeah, hundred yeah, percent self-improvement, self-discovery. So John, um, appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Where can people find you if they want to know more about you or work with you or call Rev, you know? Yeah, totally, dude. Well, I think hit me up, John Cardis Sales, okay? And that's on Twitter. John Cardis Instagram. I don't really use Instagram very much, but I would say Twitter, John Cardis Sales, and DM me and be like, and, and state your ask. Be like, where do you need help? You know, like, tell me where you need help. And I will do literally everything in my power to help you get there. All right. Yeah. And so make sure you check out callrev.ai. Um, especially if you're in sales, even if you're not in sales, you're an entrepreneur taking your own sales calls. It'll help you big time. And, um, yeah, use discount code Brendan, B R E N D A N for 20% off your first month, <laughs> man, <laughs> throw that in there. And you also got revenue launch.com, right? Yep. Yep. Revenue launch.com. Yep. Okay. And he's got the book, man. This guy's got everything. He's got the book, um, <laughs> leveraging the power of free that you can get on Amazon. So John, thanks for coming on, man. Guys out there, if you're listening to this um, on YouTube, please give it a like and subscribe. It helps the podcast a lot. And if you're thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, following in the, the footsteps of sales guys, just like John, please do. I really believe that the world needs more entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs solve problems. They add value to the world, just like John is doing right now. He's even asking you to come, you know, uh, you know, DM him with your, with your ask, which is crazy, but, <laughs> but please guys do please make the transition from employee to entrepreneur and we will see you on the other side. Let's go.